All right, welcome back to another episode of the Book of Job podcast. This is hopefully an approachable Bible study for those of us who want to understand the King James Version, um, but have had a hard time over the past. And I am your host, Joanna Jo Smith. I'm one half of the faith-based truth duo, the Black Love Smiths. And I'm just your average roundaway girl. I'm your block hair braider, your homeboy's baby sister, right? Reformed commandment breaker, right? (laughs) Um, And I just hope that this podcast has been helping you make the Most High God more accessible to you and for you because he really does love us so much, right? I also hope that the things we find in this book don't scare you or push you away from it, from, you know, from him or from the truth, I should say. And the goal is just to know for ourselves what our holy book says, right? To have done the work ourselves to define our faith, okay? Okay, so we've been on this chronological journey through the Old Testament for a little over two months now. And we're nine episodes in and we're still in Genesis, right? (laughs) So we have read Genesis 1 through 10. Then we jumped to the book of Job. Then we came back to Genesis 11 through 14 and then the holy spirit interrupted us right so we went to isaiah 10 and we got our hearts broken hearing how the guy called jesus may actually be an imposter of the god we actually serve whose name is el shaddai and y'all can listen to parts one and two of episode seven to get all the information you're going to need um to just pray on that and then have the the revelation revealed to you for yourself um i believe that that can happen Uh, Then we finished Isaiah last week, Isaiah 10, and um, that's with the Holy One taking us to Judges chapter 7 first, right? So we did another hop and we went over to Judges and it was there that we drew a correlation between Gideon and Jesus and the enemy and the rod and the Assyrian and the association that chapter 7's battle has to Abram's rescue of his nephew Lot in Genesis 14 child we've been going in okay and now it's it seems like um it's a good time to just have a quick regrouping right and I feel like that's what Genesis chapter 15 was for me this week it was just like a much needed regroup for the shakeups that we've had these last few weeks and it's been a lot for my little old spirit but I'm here for the long haul y'all we want to get to the bottom of it right and we want to know what's going on we want to know the truth about what our God said right all right so we press forward with Genesis chapter 15 this message is about righteous belief we're going to get into that in a bit and um I just want y'all to know that God made a promise and you know what Abraham did Abram believed it this is the book of Joe. My book. Let's go deep inside where the People stop reading the Bible. Let's open up the Exodus 28-11. They don't understand it. Glory to God. There are so many promises in this book. We gotta get back to telling the truth. John 16-33. I'm told you sing so that you may have peace. <laughs> you can't hear down your face. You gotta get your own. people just need to see it from a different perspective. God really is good all the time. God says, if he loved me, keep my commandments. I 
first ask myself, who's speaking? Did you reach you? And then everything sounds different from there. But God does not lie. I'm Jill, and this is what I found in the Bible. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Yahweh. El Shaddai, we thank you. We thank you for another day of life, health, and strength. We thank you for this Sabbath. We thank you for those in the sound of my voice. Oh God, I thank you. I know that you are doing a work with all of us. I know I am in awe of how much you've chosen to share with us, how much truth we're able to, to eat. I just pray that the listener right now and those who have come back to listen a little more are, are aware of their ordained purpose right now and that this is this is their moment called by God. It has really nothing to do with me. And I pray that they understand that. I pray that they know how how precious they are to you and that this journey is helping them get closer to you, oh God. And that they would hear you, not me. You know, I'm not I'm I'm just I'm just Joe. There's no need to even worry about me or how I sound. Just worry about your spirit. And I pray that God, you you explain to them that it's about their spirit and what resonates and that you will show them what the truth is, regardless of what I come up with or what I understand um, from your Holy Spirit. But I thank you that I do understand so much. I thank you that um, that you're talking to me on a regular basis and, and that I can be of use to so many. I thank you for those who have given me such encouragement and feedback. Bless them and their family and all that they do. As long as they stick with you and work in righteousness, oh God, please double them, double them, double everything that they have. Um, but I thank you. I thank you for everything you're doing, keeping my family safe week to week, keeping these listeners safe week to week, and just being with us all as we grow with you and as we get closer to you, as we wear our sweats and chill out and hang with you and keep you at a level that we can understand you and talk to you as our friend. We love you so much. We thank you. We, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise because you deserve it, because you're worth it, and because of who you are, not because of what we can get from you, because we mean it and we're sincere by it. And uh, we just thank you. And El Shaddai, we praise you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. So let's start from the top. Chapter 15, we're in Genesis. So who is speaking? Moses. Moses is a redeemed soldier of El Shaddai. And we haven't read his story yet in the Bible, but we know that the first five books, the Pentateuch, is written by him. We know that he is an around the way guy. He's a little rough around the edges. He's not really interested in his role as a leader. And he's not really a fan of people because they're so doggone uh, disobedient and disappointing and disrespectful, right? Um, now, I know all this because I watched my Ten Commandment marathon as a child every time Easter would come up for the world uh, that I live in, right? And um, I've gone to a couple church services as well, so I heard a little something, something while I was there. And I also saw Prince of Egypt, the movie, and I bought the soundtrack and I sang along with Whitney and Mariah like a champion. <laughs> but I want to be clear with you guys that anything you hear from me that resonates with your spirit as the truth belongs to Elohim, the Holy Spirit, the supreme Holy Spirit and um, and or El Shaddai. And that's them selecting you. I want you to know for a fact how unqualified I am to deliver these messages in the eyes of the world, but how the favor of God has me has allowed me to speak to you. And and that God, who we now know as Elohim, and El Shaddai, who we know is Lord, 
all capitalized, right? Y-H-W-H, a.k.a. Yahweh with the caps lock on in the Bible. It's them. They want you to hear this today. They want the glory and they deserve it. So they want you to know how come they are using someone as churchless as me to conduct these studies. All right. It's so you know that it's them. That's why they're doing it that way. All right. So we give them all the glory. Okay. Hallelujah. And one more thing before we start. We have um, we have the word amen under suspension right now, y'all. Why? Because it's messy. I could, I mean, I don't know yet because I haven't done the separate research. I've been too enthralled with this book. But it could possibly mean Amun, Amon, Amun-Ra, or Amen. And those are Egyptian gods. And um, we know there's power in our breath and we don't wish to seal our very fervent prayers with something that we're not even sure God would appreciate. So we've just suspended it in my family um, till we have more knowledge. And in the meantime, we just throw up the highest praise, which is hallelujah, because that's a word that we know is derived from the actual name of God, Yahweh, the Y-H-W-H, the Yah, breath of life. Right. Okay. So stay flexible on this journey, y'all. I know that I am, but we're we're learning, and what we learn will be will be what we're responsible for. Okay. All right. So Genesis chapter fifteen comes after Abram just had a battle similar to Gideon's battle in Judges chapter seven, except Abram gave all the glory to El Shaddai and the Most High God Elohim in chapter fourteen, verse twenty-two. He heard the four kings. Shed Orla Omor of Elam, Tidal, the king of nations, Amraphel, the king of Shinar, and Ariok, the king of Elishar, um, had defeated the five kings of Saddam, Gomorrah, Zeboim, Adma, and Zoar. And we looked up those names already in our Abraim publication study tool, right? And we understand that the subliminal dialogue that's going forth, we already understand that. So we don't need to go into that again. We already did it. Um, after the four kings beat the five kings, Abram came with his 318 men and slaughtered the four kings by night to retrieve Lot and all that was stolen from him back. Now, we got the understanding that Abram was anything but soft from this, right? And that our family and our people are a good reason to throw the hands when it comes to God. All right. So now we know that. Roger that. All right. And remember, uh, this is Moses telling it like it was told to him. Okay. So he's just reporting what he heard from God, because as we know, Moses and God were mad cool. All right. So now we pick up in chapter 15 of Genesis in verse one, and it says, after these things, the things I just told you about with Abram, the word of the Lord caps lock. So El Shaddai came unto Abram. How? In a vision. All right. You got to know your God well enough to know how he speaks to us. So it was a vision. And we know that our God does the, uh, the visions. All right. Your King James Bible says it's saying, fear not, Abram. Let's stop there. I want to point a Bible staple out, all right? If you've been rocking with me on this journey, you should have plenty of these Bible staples, but this one pertains to fear. We just read last week, the only time the Lord no caps is mentioned in Job, um, it's in chapter 27, verse 28. It says, behold, the fear of the Lord no caps, right? That wisdom, colon, 
We remember the colons are usually replaced with the words. What I mean by that is, and we continue, to depart from evil understanding. We have no italics when we read because God ain't say all that. And we learn that behold is like saying, do you see how? Did you peep? All right. Or see the fear of the Lord. No caps. Who we know from Acts chapter 9 verse 11 is Jesus. All right. So peep the fear of Jesus. Watch out for the Christians is basically what it's saying. That wisdom. Right. What I mean by that is that wisdom right there to depart from evil understanding. All right. That's what that does for you. All right. So we realize that there is an evil understanding in Christianity we are warned to be careful of. The fear of the Lord no caps lock is a thing. It's something El Shaddai will consistently speak against. So people will tell you to fear the Lord no caps as reverence for him because not fearing him has consequences like death in the worst way. But the worst kind of death is what? By our body or our spirit. If you said spirit, then you got it. And if you got it, then you know that we're not to fear anything of this body in this world or any of that. But our spirit belongs to El Shaddai, the giver of life. And that is who deserves all our respect. All right. But when El Shaddai, our Lord, all caps, speaks to us, he kind of knocks twice. And he's like, hey, Joe. Hey, Abram. Hey, listener. Fear not. It's just me. <laughs> it's the Lord thy God, your Elohim on earth, your Redeemer. Uh, you're not required to fear me like the other one, just me, right? That's how he, he opens up a lot of what he says to us when he appears. And I love that because as we found out, the enemy was given some power and some authority to do what El Shaddai asked of him, like we read in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 5. So both El Shaddai and his enemy may show up in some ways that seem similar to us, but our God doesn't want us to be scared. The epitome of a gentleman and the essence of love, El Shaddai almost always announces himself with a command against the fear that the enemy uses to control us with. Even today, even in this world we live in, the fear is still a tool to herd us in. And that's not El Shaddai. And we got to know his ways to know him, right? To know that it's him when he's talking. Okay, so back to Genesis uh, 15 verse 1 it says fear not Abram what I mean by that is because there's a colon I thy shield thy exceeding great reward and Abram said Lord God all caps so both Elohim and El Shaddai now we can stop there again Abram was like oh hey what's up y'all <laughs> because he's familiar with their presence but let's define what a shield is clearly okay a shield is a broad piece of metal or another suitable material held by straps or a handle attached on one side used as a protection against blows or missiles some of us think that as long as we've got God in our lives the wars will end and we'll be saved from battle and there'll be peace on earth and mercy mild right if that were the case a shield wouldn't would be unnecessary all right he wouldn't need to be a shield but in this moment, because he says he is, I want us to remember God is aware of the darts being thrown at us from the opposition. This here explains that he has not chosen to stop the darts, but rather to protect us from them. And somebody wants to know why. 
and I hear you and my spirit has told me to tell you today. All right. Listen carefully to me. God has not stopped it because it is going to help the person. Um, well, this is going to help the person who cannot understand why God allows bad things to happen. All right. The darts keep flying because God cannot go back on his word. We read in Isaiah chapter 10, verse five and so on that God sent his rod. He sent his rod, the Assyrian, the enemy, the Lord no caps, the Jesus to retrieve his lot like Abram did. But the Assyrian didn't understand why everyone couldn't be redeemed and saved, right? Isaiah chapter 10 shows us that the enemy was not in intentionally supposed to be the enemy, but rather an assignment from El Shaddai himself. Yet the heart of the Assyrian was to get everyone cut off and not just a few. That's Isaiah chapter 10, verse 7. But because the assignment already went forth, it lives. As all things that El Shaddai says, his word is three-dimensional and that's why we can stand on it. So he did send the enemy before he became the enemy to trample those that oppress his people and God cannot take it back because he cannot lie. He cannot be a hypocrite. He cannot go back on his word. He can change his mind before a decree, but once a decree is rendered, it must bear the fruit of his word. So the darts still fly at us because they are meant for anyone against his people. And even us, we become against his people when we denounce his covering, believing in our hearts and confessing with our mouths that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is our savior and Lord. You, me, Abram, and anyone else who learns this truth becomes a target as well. All right. On the flip side of that, when we so-called believers find out, um, when, I'm sorry, yeah, when other believers find out who doesn't end their prayers like they do, or who doesn't speak in tongues or celebrate the Christ mass or indulge in paganism, we're going to stand out like sore thumbs and we're going to become targets for the believers, more so than even the enemies, for the believers to prove their loyalty to God by our persecution. Oh, the darts are going to fly. Not from some obvious enemy, y'all, but from those we thought were our family. So remember the name translations on our side of the Cain curse, all right? Now, I'm not talking about those that came from the dark side from Cain. I'm talking from Irad down that we've been hearing about. No, no, no. We have, we have some stuff on our side that we translated from the Seth line who redeemed Abel, all right? And if we remember, we had uh, Mahalalel who begat Jared who begat our Enoch, who begat Methuselah, who begat Lamech, who begat Noah. And then we translated those names for us using the A-B-A-R-I-M-publications.com, right? The Abarim-publications.com. And we got a prophetic decree from Elohim himself. It says that the shining one of Elohim, he descends, dedicated, disciplined, man of the dart, made low to rest, man of the dart. That's what those names mean altogether. That's what that whole sentence I just said is, all right? So the rest that we seek is on the way, but we must endure that disciplined man of the dart first, all right? But hallelujah, way. look at our word. Who is our shield from these darts? 
and are exceeding better than great reward in Genesis 15.1. El Shaddai and always El Shaddai. He is the one that redeems, saves, and delivers us. We got to know this. And after all we've learned, we got to believe this. And I'll show you why. Let's keep reading. Abram is having a vision. And what he sees, he calls Lord God and continues to ask for something in verse 2. He says, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. All right. Now, from our reading, we know God ain't finna pour into a lot of things from Damascus, all right, which means the beginning of salvation. Why? Because Damascus is precisely where the issue presents itself. It is indeed the beginning of people thinking Jesus will save them, while El Shaddai is the one who saves and redeems. So Abram is saying mostly to Elohim, but also to the creation combo of Lord God, the givers of life. Will y'all be sending me someone so I can have an heir to my legacy? Or do you want to lead me to leave everything to my servant servant? All right. Um, who is who could essentially be caught up in the Jesus wave because he's from Damascus. All right. Now, y'all know we're trying to come up with our own answers. Uh, well, we, we it says we be trying. All right. So y'all know we be trying to come up with our own answers to the issue. Um, but God is already a gajillion steps ahead of Abram. He lets Abram continue in verse three. And Abram said, behold, see, peepow, right? To me, thou hast given no seed, colon. What I mean by that is, lo, look at something amazing, right? One born in my house is mine heir. Isn't that amazing is what he's saying. Lo, and behold, peepow, see the word of the Lord, all caps. So El Shaddai to Abram saying, this meaning Eliza, your servant, shall not be thine heir, colon. What I mean by that is he that shall definitely will come forth out of thine own bowels, the lower parts of your body shall definitely will be thine heir. All right. Then God ushers Abram forward. Like matter of fact, let me show you. Right. And we get to verse five and God brought him, right? He brought him, Abram forth abroad, brought him forward in the vision abroad in the distance and said, look now toward heaven and tell, meaning decide correctly or determine like I can tell you're listening, right? That tell. All right, tell the stars if thou be able to number them. Colon, what I mean by that is, God said unto Abram, so shall, definitely will, thy seed be. And Abram believed in the Lord, all caps, El Shaddai. Colon, what Moses means by this is, he, El Shaddai, counted it, Abram's belief, his faith, to Abram for righteousness. Righteousness, y'all, is the quality of being morally right or justifiable. We got to pause right here because some of us are having a hard time understanding what's righteous is right to God. I'm going to get through the chapter, I think, but the Holy Spirit is stopping me here to address some of our stubbornness and disobedience. The term right is defined as morally good, justified or 
acceptable. And in this sense, we may see a similarity to righteousness. Hence the word, what's, or hence the phrase, what's righteous is right. But the word right also means true or correct as a fact. And that is where things can get tricky, right? Because there are a lot of things that are true in this world of lies and in a world of lies. Um, the truth kind of becomes far from righteous, all right, living here. So y'all heard me explain the Sabbath. You heard me explain God's name. You heard me explain the issue between El Shaddai and Satan and the issue of Jesus. I gave you the words from this book. I based it on the book all Bibles are based on. All versions are interpreted from. And some of you feel you have the right to be right by the rights of this world telling you you can still pick and choose and you have the right to do so. And to a large extent, you can, but the Holy Spirit is placing it on my heart right now to tell you that Abram's faith is what God counted as righteousness for his servant. The fact that Abram believed what God said when he said it to him is what made Abram righteous in the eyes of El Shaddai. So y'all getting a lot of revelation hanging out with me and God on these Sabbath Saturdays, but God is not counting your hesitance um, to believe him for righteousness. My spirit is moved to tell y'all right now that we are in this together and finding out some painful things together. And you are called to hear what you have heard from God thus far. When you hear it, and the spirit is wondering why some of us pretend not to hear it after the truth has gone forth. That is nothing but a lack of faith that cannot be counted as righteousness as far as this is saying right? So one thing I love about my husband is sometimes we get into these talks where clearly we are just wrong. And I have no ego when it comes to apologizing. I will apologize and mean it and not mope or drag my feet about it. My prayer and my hope is just not to do it again. But my husband immediately changes his behavior when he's wrong. He literally replaces the poor act with a new plan of action to go forth immediately. And he presses forward with a newfound conviction every time. So he is certain it will not happen again because he changes in that moment. And it's not if he does get it uh, or do, do it again, it's not in the same manner that it was the first time, at least. And that to me is or could be counted as his sense of righteousness. When I went from working every day to observe the Sabbath, it took me a few weeks. And I'm the kind of person who has to be sure that I believe in something before I convert over to it. And once I began almost four years ago, I haven't gone back. I understand it, so it's done for me. And I won't go back. And I'll never work on the Sabbath again unless God tells me to. So that's me. I rely on God. My husband, though, in, my, in that scenario, he, begin, he begins right away. It doesn't take him weeks. And that's him because he trusts God, right? And the Spirit is asking me if the Book of Joe podcast listeners are seeking after righteousness or just seeking to be right. Many of your religions couldn't take the truth as it came. So they translated it because it's raw edges were easier to digest that way, all right? But the truth is uncomfortable. The truth is unnerving. And we all would do ourselves a big service to embrace the fact that when this journey is over, 
this chronological Old Testament series to investigate the Bible, when it's all over, you will not be able to keep your religion. Why? Because God never called for it. You will lose your religion in all the obligatory attempts to gain favoritism with God. And perhaps you'll gain a real relationship with him after it. Perhaps finally believe in him like Abram and be considered righteous for it. Or you will be the person who clung to what you knew like a person who can't swim clings to their life vest and the edge of a pool, never realizing they are in the shallow end and they were safe to let go a long time ago. Let's take a break. I stand accused, they bent the truth, I swear, so help me God. I've been abused and came to you when they failed me good. This is my truth, I need you to prevail the odds. What do I do? I need Thank help. Thank you, Lord. Please visit blacklovesniffs.com. Genesis 15, verse 7. God introduces himself to Abram as the deliverer. Savior, Redeemer, who grants freedom, a prelude to the commandments right here, okay? It says, And El Shaddai said to Abram, I, the Lord, all caps, so I, El Shaddai, that brought thee out of Ur, the light or flame of the Chaldees. We can't find Chaldees in Hebrew, but we'll, we'll keep going. To give thee this land to inherit it. The whole reason God brings us out of a land is to give us our own land. The word inherit means receive money, property, or a title as an heir at the death of the previous holder. And this is the first time we see any allusion to the death of God as our blessing um, so far in the journey chronologically. So it's just a little note that I've made. I'm, I'm sure that the development will help us. Because the story of Jesus has taken on a lot of elements of what El Shaddai prophesied to make the story more authentic. So we have the full manuscript in our hands right now, and we're going to get to the bottom of it. But let's just continue reading um, the transcript of El Shaddai and Abram in this vision. Remember, we're still in the vision that Abram is still having. All right. So verse eight, the creation combination. All right. They hear Abram out and it says, and Abram said, Lord God, all caps, whereby, by which, shall, definitely will, I know that I shall, definitely will, inherit it. So, whereby shall I know that I will definitely inherit it? And Lord God, all caps, said unto Abram, Take me an heifer or three of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Let's note that uh, heifers and she goats continue to grow until the age of thir uh, the age of three, and then they cap as fully grown. Rams are at the height of their breeding at three years old. So these specifications are not for a silly reason. God um, could have called for a giraffe, but he did not. All right. And I have some ideas as to why, but these are just notes. All right. The Egyptian goddess Hathor has a cow head. All right. And she's a girl. So she's a heifer. All right. And then we spoke about Baphomet before and she's a she goat deity. We know that. Right. She's got breasts, but the head of a goat. And then there's Kanum, which is the ram head deity. 
of Egypt. And we also know that Jesus is associated with the ram and the lamb as well. So they're all associated with fertility. And it is no coincidence that they are all in this passage about multiplying the seed of Abram. At least I don't think so. But I'm just making notes right now because I have nothing really to back that right now. Um, it's just what I was, what I picked up. All right. The turtle dove is a wild African or Eurasian pigeon. That's important to know for some reason we haven't discovered yet. Right. These birds are associated with the Roman deity uh, Fides or Fides. Um, and she's the goddess of good faith in Rome. And then the Greek deity Aphrodite, the love goddess, um, had pigeons pull her chariot. All right. So that's that's something to think about. And the baby pigeon is called a squab. Someone once said we see hundreds of fully grown pigeons in the tri-state. But uh, how many baby pigeons do we see? And that's such a good question. I've never seen a baby pigeon before in my life, but they say it's because they're secretive birds. So maybe it has to do with secrets. Anyway, we're just noting these things and we're going to continue to read verse 10. All right. And Abram took to him all these and divided them in the mists. The Bible says that means cut them in half and laid each piece against another colon. What I mean by that is, but except for the birds divided he not. Now, divide means to separate, but it also means to disagree with. So in the mists means interior or central part or the point. So my Bible says he cut these animals in half. And I'm tempted to also appeal to another layer, a deeper metaphorical layer, as if to say God told Abram to apply him to these pagan faiths. He, God said, take me a heifer, right? Um, and God says, but Abram understood that to mean take to himself because that's what he ended up doing and perhaps disagree in the interior part of him, right? Sort them against each other. Maybe I'm just throwing out ideas. Not sure. Right. Cause we have more to read. This is a gathering of ourselves. We're getting ourselves back together. All right. Now, verse 11 says, and when the fowls came down upon the carcasses Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, colon. What I mean by that is, look at something in awe, peep this, look, see, right, low. And horror of great darkness fell upon him, all right? So there's a, there's a, a, a darkness fell on him. And I don't know if that could be because the presence of these other deities were now in the mist. I don't know. These are just notes and it might come together later, but that's what I got. All right. Verse 13. And El Shaddai said unto Abram, know of a surety. So know for certain that thy seed shall definitely will be a stranger in a land, not theirs and shall serve them. Who? Perhaps these subliminal deities Abram made enemies with, right? Or why would we plural the land that's not plural. So when it says them, I'm tempted to agree that in my spirit, what it was leading me to might be right. We're talking about how they serve these other deities, right? Colon. And what he means by that is he being Moses, what he meant by that is, or what God, what Moses is saying God meant by that is that they shall afflict them for hundred years. All right. Maybe these other deities. All right. I don't know. I'm not sure. 
Sounding like it. Mm-hmm. All right. Colon. And what I mean by that is also that nation whom they shall, meaning definitely will serve, will I, El Shaddai, judge. Now we're back to the need for judgment and judgment being of El Shaddai and therefore a good thing. We talked about that. All right. Colon. What I mean by that is afterward shall definitely will they come out with great substance so the god who brings us out will bring us out again that's consistent got it all right 15 and thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace colon what i mean by that is thou shalt definitely will be buried in a good old age so notice how going to your fathers or joining your ancestors in death is real to God as well, just as it is real for many of the tribal nations who never heard of the name of Jesus. All right. There is more evidence of your energy never fading than there is of a heaven with mansions. All right. And many of us covet that heavenly mansion as the only reason we believe and love God for. Right. Because y'all want to have a mansion one day in heaven. All right, so y'all could see my podcast on heaven to get some real revelation there. But we are not to covet anything, even heaven. All right, moving on, verse 16. But in the fourth generation, they shall, meaning definitely will, come hither, meaning towards this place again. Colon, what I mean by that is for the sins of the Amorites. The Amorites we know are the babblers of Babel. All right. For the sins of the Amorites not yet full, meaning done or complete. When something is full, it can't take no more. All right. So y'all can listen to Babel, not Babel to get the insight on that. That is episode four of this series. 17 says, and it came to pass that. All right. So look at how the that is flanked by commas on each side. That's the same kind of that that Abram prophesied to Sarai with, letting her know that the Pharaoh finished to think she fine as wine right that's in genesis chapter 12 verse 14 it's the same kind of placement of the word that all right this that means everything that i just read hap uh read was going to happen happened all right and when did it happen when the sun went down all right so the sun going down is a prolonged thing i'm assuming in this uh verse it's not just the day sun it's about ongoing sundown all right, and when it finally goes down, it was dark. So peep how, behold, see a smoking furnace, right? An oven-like structure and a burning lamp. And we know about this from the battle we read last week and the, the time before that when we read in Isaiah that there's going to be wood for a fire and, a, and the, the torch, the lamp, the match was going to be El Shaddai, all right? And, it, and that burning lamp, that passed between those pieces, pieces of the cut up or uh, God, gods that we talked about, right? So now we're back to the illusion, not the illusion, the illusions that bring that Isaiah 10 chapter back to mind. Consistently, our God answers by fire, all right? These portions, they had a furnace appear in the, in the vision, right? And a torch passed or a flame passed in between them. Um, as, as if to say it passed between the parts that were divided or the parts, if we're going with the other theory I had that Abram contended with, and then it sealed up that separation from, from Abraham, from these deities, maybe. All right. But this was the night that was it for that. Right. 
And then we're going to take a step back when we get to verse 18, because it's saying in that in the same day, right? In the same time, in that day, in that heyday, in that era, right? In the same day, El Shaddai made a covenant with Abram saying, unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, colon. And what I mean by that is, peep the KKK uh, alliteration right here. I noticed that when I was reading. But he says, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Rephaims, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Girgashites, and the Jebusites, which we talked about. So we do the work. We type each name in with the words meaning in Hebrew into Google. We look for the Abraim publications link that correlates and find the hidden message of this list that seems to make no sense at first. But when we do the work, we see why we had to jump to Isaiah before we read this uh, together. And it says the Canaanites or the Kenites are the nesting. That's what they mean. So they're mentioned in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 14. It talks about the nest. All right. The Kenizzites from the verb Kanaz in Hebrew means hunter or trapper. All right. This is alluding to the trickery and the deceiving way we got caught in the snare, perhaps, or the fact that we're being hunted to be destroyed. All right. These are just notes, y'all, because it's going to clear itself up because God, like I said, is not confused. We know that. So we're, we're gathering ourselves to move forward. All right. The Kadmonites from the verb Kadim, um, which refers to the East. What do we know about the East, y'all? It's trash. That's right. If you said trash, gold star for you. All right. The Hittites, which are terrors from Hatat. The, that's the verb, right? So we talked about how fear is a, is the other side's way of controlling, right? Then we got the parasites from the verb parag, all right? The rural villagers. Those are the people I mentioned that don't know Jesus, but don't refer to the source as Elohim or El Shaddai either, all right? And then we have the Rephaims, um, and they come up as giants when we Google those in our um, Abraim publications. And, and their name means the healed ones or the sunken ones. And that makes me think of the flood, right? These are all the things that we are up against or cohabitants with in this earth. All right. The last set of people mentioned in this list, we have already translated in previous readings. So we know that the Amorites are the talkers, the babblers from Babel. We know that the Canaanites are the Phoenicians, the Murex snail engineers, the international traders of their purple dye, the purple land. All right. That's what we're talking about. And the brown folk of the Sudanese era. That's all of them. Then we got the Girgashites, the clay or uh, soil dwellers, perhaps those bound in the dirt, maybe the dead, the actual dead. Um, and finally, the Jebusites, referring a little bit to the Jerusalem crew, Jesus squad, boos, from the term boos, which means to trample down, also found in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 6. All of these are just developing characters from what I understand in my reading this week, y'all. I expect to learn more as we read. We had a big chunk of food given to us. Now we've got to get back into study mode, all right? So for now, we take notes that all of these names are vying for Abram's inheritance according to God, according to this chapter. All of these forces want land. Land, my love, is a gift from God, just as children are. And so we end this understanding um, that 
There is no Hebrew land, at least not yet, not on our maps, but there is a promise and the promise came from God. The land and people of them will belong to Abram and his descendants. God said that, so it is. And so now we ask ourselves, do we believe that? Do we? Do we believe like Abram? I mean, do we really? Do we believe our discovery so far? The trickery, the deception, the things we found in this Bible over the past nine episodes. Do we believe it? All right. The evidence that we uncovered so far. Do we believe? Believe like Abram believed. Do we? I hope so. Because believing what God said is the righteous thing to do. And you know how I feel. What's righteous is right. Thank y'all for listening and hearing me out. If God will have it, I'll be back next week. But if not, just know I love you, but God loves you way more than me. I'm Joanna Jo Smith, and this is what I found in the Bible this week. Happy Sabbath. The Book of Joe is but a portion of a family ministry called the Black Love Smiths. To follow the Black Love Smiths, you can do so at Black Love Smiths on Instagram or Facebook. To get into contact with Joe, please email bookofjoe at gmail.com. God bless you.